After their most embarrassing loss yet, nothing is off the table for Hunter and I on this edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. We're going to discuss it right after this. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back, Penguins fans, to another edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick Damp, joined as always by the one and only Hunter Hodes. You can follow me on Twitter at synonym for wet. You can follow Hunter at Hunter Hodes. You can follow the show's account at LO underscore Penguins. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. We thank you for making this your first listen slash watch of the day because we're your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. So, there is absolutely no use in delaying the inevitable after a absolutely putrid loss on Wednesday night to the Florida Panthers 5-2, to two, where the Penguins looked absolutely lifeless. Hunter and I have been stewing in our misery for the last uh, 12 or so hours, maybe a little more, but before we get into it, I do want to issue a preemptive apology to our guy, Sean, who oversees the Locked On NHL Network. We are going to probably go long today because it is absolutely required with where this franchise is right now. So let's get into it. That was arguably the most embarrassing loss of the season last night. The Penguins power play continues to be absolutely anemic. They showed absolutely no life after getting figuratively punched in the mouth by the Florida Panthers. The offense once again could not score. The forecheck looked lifeless. They had absolutely no way to keep up with the Florida Panthers. And at this point, what do we think about this team and about this franchise, where it sits, what they have to do going forward? And the question that's on everyone's mind, because God knows my mentions, your mentions, all of Penguins Twitter has been a gigantic dumpster fire since that game. Is this team cooked? Right now, yes. I mean, sure, there's a distinct possibility. I don't even say it's distinct. There's a very small possibility that they win eight, nine in a row. Is that going to happen? Absolutely not. They've shown no indication that they can even win three or four in a row at times this season. So yes, I would say right now this team is cooked, right? What this team is, is a mediocre to okay team that is not good enough to make the playoffs in a really mid Eastern conference. You made all those moves over the off season to go all in once again. And this is what we're getting at game 50 of this season. It's not good enough. And dare I say, cause I know a lot of people like to, get on me a little bit at times because I say it so often on the show. It's unacceptable. 50 games in, that's the level that you're showing with your season on the brink of collapse. That's what you're doing on national television, Pat. That first period put me to sleep. Four shots for the Panthers, three for the Penguins. And then the second period comes around. Oh, it looks like you take the lead and maybe you're, this is the start of a potential big stretch. Nope, that goal comes off the board and the Penguins fall asleep and then they're down 3-0 and the game is basically over 
by that point. It was a pathetic showing all around by the Penguins on national television last night. There's no other way to say it. And you get you you brought that up about the disallowed goal. That doesn't even get into the fact that in the first period, they had three power play opportunities, three to the Panthers zero and came away with absolutely nothing. And it was more of the same once again. So I want to start here now at this point, I'm whatever on the Mike Sullivan talk. If you want to fire him, fire him. If you don't, don't, I don't care at this if point. If they lose tonight to that Blackhawks team, I don't care that Connor Bedard is coming back as a surprise. It looked like he was going to be out for this game. He then skates with the team this morning, takes a little bit of contact. It's being reported by Emily Kaplan. Now he's back in the lineup after it looked like he wasn't going to come back until next week. I don't care that Bedard is back. You lose to that Blackhawks team with how bad they've been this season. You can leave the coaching staff on the runway. You don't even let them get on the plane, in my opinion. Yeah, and we'll get into the Blackhawks game a little bit at the end of the episode for tonight. But at this point, I have said it on the show. I've said it on social media. I can't really blame the coaching staff anymore for the power play. Yes, they wear it because at the end of the day, they are responsible for it. But you watch that power play. And Jesse Marshall was on our show a couple of weeks ago and gave us a really good breakdown of what they could do systematically to make it better, to make it work. And that's all well and good, but they don't have, it's on the players. There is a complete lack of willingness to shoot. There's a complete lack of urgency. There's a complete lack of heart because the only person I've seen in the past couple of weeks, and again, it's going to make people laugh who has any willingness to go to the front of the net is Jeff Carter. Who's almost 40 years old. So at this point, I can't put that on coaching because coaches can tell you everything there is to tell you. They can come up with the best system that's ever been systemed and put it in place. But if the players don't execute it, that doesn't matter. And so far this season, whether it's for lack of will, lack of skill or whatever, the players just refuse to play the system or or do whatever they want because you watch what they do and it's passes around the perimeter it's cross ice passes. It's there was a point last night. I don't even think it was a power play where they had a three on two in front of the net, not even a three on two break, a three on two in front of the net. All three players touched, touched the puck and nobody shot. And Bobrovsky was out to lunch. He was on his stomach out to lunch, completely wide open net and nobody shot the puck. So at this point, I have to put that on the players. So that is a place where I would like to start this conversation about this team and especially when it comes to the big guns. I said it last night. It is time for Kyle Dubas to make a decision. And that decision should be that if your name is anything other than Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, or Eric Carlson, you should be for sale. And here's the thing. I have his Jersey up behind me. I'm sick and tired of hearing people tell me that Carlson has been a bust. He has been anything but. He is producing at his career pace. People forget his 100-point season in San Jose was an extreme outlier. That was not the norm. He doesn't consistently put up 80, 90, 100 points. He puts up in the realm of 50, 60, to 70 right now. At this moment, as we record this, after last night's game, 
Carlson is 10th in scoring amongst NHL defensemen. He is two points behind Adam Fox, arguably one of the best defensemen in the NHL. And he's tied for seventh in goals scored by defensemen in the National Hockey League. He's doing his job. And for everybody that wants to tell me, well, that you didn't need that $10 million cap hit for a defenseman in his 30s. You could have used that money more wisely. And I understand Kyle Dubas is a different general manager, but I want to remind people of two names, Brock McGinn and Danton Heinen. How did they do replacing the, the production of Brandon Tanev and Jared McCann? Even well. if you Not want well. to blame that on a general manager, it is exceedingly rare to split cap space to try to produce or reproduce production. It rarely ever works. You get the guy who makes $10 million and puts up 70 points. You do that every time. I know that everybody's mad that he's older and this team is old, but he's not cooked. You also cleared out a lot of Hextall's mistakes in that trade. And you did it to get more offense for this team. I understand where they are in the standings right now, but I will defend that move forever because it made sense and it will continue to make sense. I think the problem outside of that move is the other moves that Kyle Dubas made with the cap space that he had on July 1st. I will keep beating that drum until I can't anymore. They had so much cap space on July 1st and they gave it to players who really haven't done a damn thing this year outside of Lars Eller. Yeah, if someone wants to argue Nolachari on the penalty kill or his defensive impact, sure, I'll give that to you. But he hasn't done a damn thing offensively. Matt Nieto, same thing. We all we talked about Ryan Graves all the time on this show. He's been a disaster. That's the one, I think that's the biggest contract I'd want off the Penguins right now, funny enough. But that's the problem that I've had with just this past offseason in general. And going back to about the power play, I 100% agree with what you're saying, but I also disagree a little bit at the same time because the fact that these coaches have not made a single systematic change to that unit is disgraceful to me. You're telling me you can't switch up your tactics on the power play. The only thing they've really done is interchange players doing these two separate units. That's not good enough. You haven't gotten rid of the drop pass. You haven't done the shoot first mentality. You haven't stopped them from trying to pass the puck into the net, which it feels like they try to do every single time. You're not moving players around the ice, trying to set up different looks for them. You're just icing the same slop out there. You could have easily made the move two to three months ago to at least fire Tar Reardon and bring in a new power play coach that has fresh and new innovative ideas, but you're not even willing to do the bare minimum there. What are we doing? It's just that the passiveness is beyond comprehension at this point. And, and this that, unit that continues to get worse game after game after game, and nothing changes. It's so frustrating. And that was kind of what I was building toward when I was talking about the coaching staff. Now, every, and this is this is on everyone. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but this power play, it's on the players. I agree with you on that. But the coach has got to eat that too. It's on Mike Sullivan, and it's on Todd Reardon just as much as it's on the players, in my opinion, at least. 
Right. And kind of what I was getting towards on the power play and the coaching staff and Mike Sullivan and the Todd Reardon of it all is that I I know I say on this on this show a lot that you don't need a hard ass coach that's going to crack the whip 24/7 just because that doesn't work anymore that that is so in the past but it is an indictment of the coaching staff if you cannot corral these players to play the correct way on the power play that is the one rub that I will put on the coaching staff is that they have been unable to make these players play an effective system. Now, does that mean a new coach could come in, wave a magic wand, and all of a sudden these guys decide to start playing correctly on the power play? Who knows? But if there is a critique that I will give them, it's that. They were unable to get it into their heads at some point that they have to make a change on the power play. And whether they have tried it or not, we will never know. But if they have and these guys have not adapted, that falls on the coaching staff, not the players. But at the same time, as I said during the game, at what point, if nothing else, and this is why I put it mostly on the players, at what point does pride kick in? You're getting booed on your home ice seemingly every night. You're getting asked questions about it after games, after practices, at media scrums in every single, there was an entire intermission segment on TNT last night dedicated to how historically bad this power play is. At what point does pride kick in and you say, screw this. I'm tired of hearing this and fix it. I don't know. I wish I had an answer for you, Pat. I I I don't know. And the fact that they haven't even, bothered to fix it and they continue to run this same garbage out there is an indictment on this management group it's coaching staff i'll th- obviously throw the players in there it's insulting to everyone who watches the game on their televisions every single night the fans that pay to go to these games every single week when they're home it's ridiculous to be honest, they, they can say the players that is, they can say all they want during media scrums after games and all that, that, Oh yeah, you know, we're, we're doing the work to fix this thing. But are you, because I'm not seeing the results of that work that you're quote unquote saying that you're doing in practice during games. I, I don't see it at all. Yeah. And there is a lot more for us to discuss about this roster, this coaching staff, this management group, and we are going to do so right after this break because we have to tell you about our sponsor and our sponsor today is Camino Consulting. How would you like to get to know somebody better in an hour than you would in a year? Understanding one another better prevents small misunderstandings from becoming big ongoing fights. After providing more than 20 years of service to small and mid-sized businesses, helping management groups navigate conflict and onboarding new employees, Camino is offering a digital seminar for families and couples. Did your Valentine's gift of tickets to the game not go over as well as you'd hoped? Get the Couples and Family Online Seminar for 25% off for the month of February using the discount discount code Locked On. Again, that discount code is Locked On for 25% off for the rest of the month at www.caminoconsulting.ca or mention Locked On when reaching out to reaching out for a business seminar and receive the first five profiles free. 
All right, we're back here on the Thursday edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast, and we're just going to keep it going on the discussion of this team, this franchise, these players, this management group, this coaching staff that we started in the first segment because there is still a lot of meat left on this bone. And at this point, one of the main topics I want to get into here is Kyle Dubas. Now, got to give a shout out to our guy, Josh Yohe at The Athletic. His He didn't even write a recap this morning after the game. He essentially just wrote a column about Kyle Dubas in the direction of this team. And I agree in principle with what he's saying in that it is time for Kyle Dubas to pick a direction. I wrote something extremely similar on KDKA.com today, my column, Penguins Perspectives. Essentially, we get it, right? This offseason, the plan was to get back to the playoffs and to remain all in chasing a Stanley Cup in the latter years of Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang. It's understandable. It made sense. All three of them are still extremely productive and, for the most part, on very affordable contracts, so you can still go all in. However, at this point, 50 games into the season, they still remain multiple points out of a playoff spot. I know you and I have jostled back and forth on this, but at this point, I don't see how you can justify going to get help at this deadline. If for no other reason, this team is not a Stanley Cup contender. And yes, a middle middle 15-ish pick in the NHL draft, no, it's not going to help this team's issues right away, but it's not even about the draft pick. It's about, at this point, if you ask me, it is time for Kyle Dubas to say, you know what? It's a seller's market at this deadline. I'm going to stockpile assets left and right, and then this summer, I am going to reshape this team. And I think it's time for him to go that direction because at this point, what is the even point of going to the Stanley Cup playoffs? Uh, the the showings they have had the last couple of weeks, are they going to win a round? I highly doubt it. No. I mean, are they even going to make the playoffs at this point, Pat? Probably not with how the season is going and with how, oh yeah, the games in hand that they had, oh, they're dwindling now and they're they've almost catch, caught up, excuse me, to all of the teams that have played more games than them. They're, they're just about there. So this season is basically cooked at this point. So I think I've arrived at a similar point with you where you can sell off some assets if you want at the deadline, get some picks that honestly are probably not going to help for quite a few years. And then this offseason – I still think they are going to do more of a retool than a rebuild. I've seen a lot of takes out there on social media saying, oh, now the Penguins are about to go into a massive rebuild and all that. No, they're not. I don't think they're going to be real rebuilding this summer. I don't think the big rebuild is coming for two to three more years until Sid is ready to call it quits. So I don't know where that talk is coming from. And well, no, let me, Penguins let, should let not me... have started their rebuild two years ago. I don't know where those takes are coming from. I had two idiots in my mentions last night trying to like go at me because I defended the Penguins bringing back Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin. Those two moves made sense at the time, and they still have made sense two years later with how Chris Letang is playing this season and with how Evgeny Malkin has 
the third most goals on this team. He has 41 points in 50 games. Now, have I been a bit harsh on Malkin this year at times? Yeah, because he's been inconsistent and he's getting a bit older, but he also has had absolutely crap line mates where Card Raquel has done nothing. Riley Smith has done nothing. You've put Colin White with him at times. Drew O'Connor has been a staple on his wit line at times. And while I like Drew O'Connor, he's not a top six winger. So the people that were coming at me for those decisions that were made by the previous regime, you were wrong then. And you're, and you're still wrong now. They made sense at the time because this team was continuing to go for it. And why would you not when you still have a core in place that is playing at a high level? The moves that they made after that, trading some of the defensemen, bringing in some depth forwards that don't bring enough offense, that is where the Penguins have gone wrong these last two years. Signing players to longer deals that don't deserve those deals. Bringing in players who can't produce enough offense to help the core when they're not going to score every night. Those are the type of moves that they screwed up on. Not bringing back Latang, who has been fantastic this season, and especially not bringing back Evgeny freaking Malkin, who I still think is at least a decent 2C at the NHL level. Is he what he used to be? No, of course not. He's a, he was a bona fide 1C when he was in the prime of his career. He's obviously taking a bit of a step back. He's not going to age the same as Sidney Crosby. I mean, not really any player is going to age, I think, the same as Sidney Crosby. But again, I just had to say that because I'm tired of these people just trying to do revisionist history with those two signings because it doesn't make any sense to do that. And the point of that rant was to say this offseason, you can still build around the core do a, a big retool, I think, and it, you're able to move some assets out. You'll have some cap space, bringing in some players who you think can help you win for next season. And then you go back at it, trying to make the playoffs, try to get at least one last deep run out of Sidney Crosby and company, especially with Sid going into the final year of his contract. So that's where I'm at with this team right now. I know I had a long winded no. right there. I apologize, everyone. But I still think this team is going to try and contend for next season, or at least try and make the playoffs, I should say. That should be the goal for next season. While changing out some of the pieces around the core to try and get more help for them. Well, and don't apologize. This episode is therapy for you and I and our audience after what has been a frustrating season. But no pun intended, let me build off what you were saying. Because I've had the same people in in my Twitter mentions and just seen them the takes flying about this. They're not going to start the rebuild this offseason. I, I would be genuinely shocked if they started the rebuild this offseason. But here's the thing I want. Here's a couple things I want to say. And I know what I'm about to say may come off as insulting and condescending, but it needs said. Here's the thing. There is one. There is no prospect in the Penguin system right now that fixes this rebuild. It will not accelerate it. Braden Yeager looks nice. He looks promising, like he's going to be a very solid middle six forward in the National Hockey League, but that is his absolute ceiling. He's probably not going to be a first-line player. He's probably going to be a second- and third-line player. So you add that with this team does not have a ton of draft capital at all. So that the rebuild's going to go long, no matter what you do. It is going to be brutal, and they're going to be bad, like comically bad. So unless something extraordinary happens where maybe lightning strikes a third time and you get a franchise player 
in some random lottery draft, they're going to be bad for a long time. And I want people to understand this. This rebuild will be long. It will be brutal. They will be so bad that a season like this one will look like the golden era. And that's not even mentioning the last 15, 16 years when they were legitimate contenders. Finally, a lot of people need to understand this. There is absolutely zero guarantee a rebuild works. Go look at Buffalo. Go look at Ottawa. Go look at Columbus. Go look at Arizona. It is much more likely that when you decide to rebuild, you end up like them to where you have to keep hitting the reset button because it is incredibly hard to rebuild a team without a true blue franchise player. And they don't come around often. They really don't. People forget that. There are a lot of drafts that come and go where you forget who the first overall pick was. Hell, there's drafts where you forget who the top five picks were. Because while they may have productive NHL careers and be solid contributors, it is rare that they become a true blue superstar. That is exceedingly rare. You got to get lucky. That's the biggest thing, man. You got to get lucky like how the Oilers did when they got the won the lottery with Connor McDavid, like how the Maple Leafs did a little bit. Heck, even the Rangers, I would say, got insanely lucky with their draft lottery. But, you know, Capo Caco and Alexei Lafreniere, they're not superstars in the NHL. I mean, Lafreniere, fine player, but he's not a superstar. Same with Capo Caco. The reason why their, I guess, mini rebuild or big retool worked was because, A, Adam Fox forced his way to the Rangers, and so did Artemi Panarin in free agency. They wanted to go there. That, that some of that is luck at the end of the day. So yeah, and then on the other on, side of it, I see a lot of people because we were talking about retooling, which I really think is the best move forward for this franchise is to just cut their losses this season and start retooling with the twenty four twenty five season in mind. I see a lot of people say things like, "Well." You can move a guy like Evgeny Malkin and try to recoup some talent and some assets for him. Here's the thing. Any young player that is productive in the National Hockey League right now is on a very good team or a good contending team. They're not going to get moved for Evgeny Malkin. There is a reason the players you will get back for pennies on the dollar for Evgeny Malkin will not match his production. They won't be your second line center. They won't be a top six winger. It is going to be a depth option. I understand he's 37 years old. He's not what he was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. He plays a he played a hard game for the majority of his career. He has had multiple knee surgeries, and it is very hard for him to remain as productive as he was in his even early 30s. But the problem is. You cannot find somebody for a price to reproduce his production. It just doesn't work that way. Now, you and I have sparred over this, and I think I more now agree with you than I did with my original point. Maybe he's not a second-line center anymore. Maybe he's a top-six winger. But at the same time, we don't know that because he has had awful wingers all season long. And 
when he has to be the one and only guy on a line at this point in his career, it doesn't work. So at this point, if you think this team needs to go into a rebuild, I'm just going to be dead flat honest with you here. If that's what you're rooting for, if that's what you want, I expect you to be at PPG Paints Arena even when this team is 32nd in the National Hockey League and being as loud as you can possibly be because this is what you're heading toward when you rebuild because the cupboard is bare. There are no draft picks really of any sort of consequence right now. So you have to ride this team and this core until the absolute wheels fall off. This fan base is not ready to see a team be as bad as the Sharks have been this season. That losing streak they had to open the season. I don't even know what this fan base would do if the Penguins had that type of losing streak to open the season and just looking at how the Sharks have played the season as a whole. I saw people saying last night, oh, this is rock bottom. Is it though? Is it? I don't think you've seen rock bottom in quite a long time. This fan base, you and I included, obviously, we have been so spoiled ever since we were little kids. My childhood was fantastic for this team. I knew it was going to get ugly as I get closer to 30. And probably by the time I am 30 in about three years, they may have already blown this team up or they could be in the process of doing that. But you know what? I'm still going to cherish everything that this team has done for you know me, you, and this entire fan base. And in terms of this offseason as well, if they do decide to sell off some assets at the trade deadline, maybe that's Jake Ensel included as well. Say they do do that, right? You get some picks back. Maybe you get a couple roster players, some prospects. You can dangle some of that during the offseason, especially picks-wise, if you're able to recoup a good amount. You can dangle those to go get some players to help you try and get back into the playoffs next year, to try and give Sidney Crosby and company one last big shot at making the playoffs and potentially going on a deep run. That's at least a plan that I know I probably didn't see coming heading into the season, but at least I'll maybe understand it a little bit more now that we've seen this team play for 50 games this season so far. So with all that in mind, they will play their 51st game tonight against the Chicago Blackhawks. I think you and I have very much exhausted this point as far as it needs to go. And there still is hockey to be played and there will be a game tonight. And Hunter and I are going to preview that right after this, but we have to tell you about our next sponsor. And that is game time. I have done this ad multiple times. I love telling the story about the time back at the old Mellon Arena when I bought tickets off of a scalper. They worked, they scanned and everything. As I walked up the section in Old Lady Mellon, it was for a row that did not exist. So you shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy, easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seats, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. They're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, and even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last-minute seats. Find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. With zone deals, you pick the section and game time picks the seats for big time savings. 
And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time, download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create account and account and redeem code L O C K E D O N for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay. We are back here on the Thursday edition of the locked on penguins podcast. And after airing all of our grievances, Hunter and I, there is still hockey to be played. So after that embarrassing loss last night to the Florida Panthers, the Penguins do have the opportunity to bounce back tonight in Chicago where they will take on the Blackhawks at 8.30 p.m. at the United Center. And, well, the Blackhawks get themselves an enormous shot of hope going into this one as rookie sensation Connor Bedard will return to the lineup tonight that has been fully and completely confirmed rumors were swir swirling this thursday morning that he may be ready to return it has been all but confirmed now that he will be in the lineup tonight against the penguins so outside of that there isn't a whole lot to speak of for this chicago blackhawks team they are still very much in rebuild mode but that's never stopped the penguins from dropping a game like this so hunter what do the penguins have to do to get back in the win column tonight respond. I mean, that's the biggest thing I can say, but it's funny. They go up against one of the worst teams in the league, a team that has won three out of their last four against the Penguins. Can you believe that by the way, over the last couple of seasons, the Blackhawks have won three of the last four meetings against this team. That's ridiculous to say the least. And this is a Blackhawks team that has lost seven in a row. When Connor Bedard was out, they had, they've scored 20 goals in their last 14 games. Is Boy, that bad, Pat? Is that bad? It seems pretty bad, but I mean, who who are we to throw stones from our glass house when our team hasn't been able to score at all for the last two weeks? Hey, that's fair. The Penguins still haven't scored more than three goals in the game in over a month at this point, but I just had to share that stat for you because the Blackhawks also cannot score to save their lives. You look at their lineup right now with Bedard coming back, and earlier this week, the Blackhawks met with the media. They said he was not going to be ready to play until next week. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to say that on the show that he's going to miss this game. But then, of course, Elliot Freeman puts the rumor out there that he might be playing tonight. And then the Blackhawks confirmed it later on that afternoon. So, you know, I'll get old takes exposed for that. I apologize to the listeners out there. But you look at this lineup with Bedard in there. Tyler Johnson is on his wing. Philip Kurashev, Nick Foligno, Jason Dick Dickinson, Joey Anderson for their second line. Taylor Radish is on their third line. Ryan Donato is Zach Sanford and Colin Blackwell. This is one of the worst forward groups in the league. But as you just said, that has not stopped the Penguins from losing to this team quite a few times over the last couple of seasons, especially last year when their loss to Blackhawks effectively ended their season in the tenures of Ron Hextall and Brian Burke. Defensively, there's not much there as well. Seth Jones, I mean, he used to be a pretty good defenseman. I think he's kind of been overrated throughout his career, and he's also kind of wasting away on Chicago. Alex Vlasic, got Jacob Megna there, Isaac Phillips, a lot of these players, I got to admit, I don't know too much about them just because this team is so clearly rebuilding. But it all starts and ends with slowing down Connor Bernard. I know this is his first game back, but you got to be aware every time he's out there on the ice. Alex Delkovich also needs to have a pretty sound game for the Penguins. But I just want to see the effort, the compete level from this team after getting crushed on national television on Wednesday night. Go out there 
and kick this team right in the butt. Show why they're one of the worst teams in the league, even though they've had Bedard miss quite a few games this season. But even when he's been in the lineup, this Blackhawks team has still not been good people. Again, they've lost seven in a row and eight of their last 10 games. So that's really what I want to see tonight overall. Give me a response. Otherwise, Pat, as I said earlier on in the show, leave the coaching staff on the runway in Chicago when you fly back to Pittsburgh for Yarger night this weekend. It's you, That would be ridiculous if you lost to this Blackhawks team. And I know I honestly shouldn't be fully saying that because any team can beat anyone on any given night. But at the end of the day, you have to win this game after getting absolutely embarrassed by the Panthers on your home rink on Wednesday on national TV. Well, yeah, and and not to send it back to the first two segments here, that was something I kind of forgot to mention about you saying leave the coaching staff on the tarmac if they lose tonight. I know everybody wanted changes after last night's loss, but it was just not realistic because it's the first of a back-to-back. You weren't going to be able to get whatever coaches are in Wilkes-Barre up to Chicago in time. You weren't going to be able to get them involved and everything. It's 2024, but unfortunately, teleportation does not exist yet. Uh, But then back to tonight's game. If there has been one bright spot for this Chicago Blackhawks team, it's been Peter Morazic. And while his numbers don't jump off the page at you, they are pretty bad. He is getting no help at all. He, he their their defense is terrible. Their forward group is not great. He also plays play. his tail off against the Penguins. So just put that in there, by the way. I was going to say that too, is that he always plays well against the Penguins. But it, the reason they re-signed Peter Morazic to the deal they did is that despite awful circumstances on that roster, he has actually been fairly consistent. He just has no help in front of him. So you look at that as as we start to transition back into being a competitive team, possibly a playoff team, this will be a good guy to keep around because he has been a loyal soldier. He has played well for us despite the results. So that's something else the Penguins have to be aware of is that you're going to maybe get a lot of chances against an undermanned Chicago team. You can't get frustrated if you don't score four, five, six, whatever. If you only get one or two, keep pushing because this is a not a very good team. And to what you were saying about the roster, I mean, Connor Bedard comes off IR, but then you look at the rest of IR. It, anybody who's anybody on this roster is hurt. Taylor Hall, Nikita Zaitsev, Anthony Bavillier. Jared Tenorti, Athanasiu, Connor Murphy, all those guys are out. So this is a team that is still very much in the midst of its rebuild despite getting Connor Bedard back. So again, if you can neutralize Connor Bedard and put consistent pressure on Peter Morazic in net, this is a game that you absolutely should win. I agree with you overall. I think with Morazic, you know, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth, Pat. I mean, the fact that this guy has a 909 save percentage this season on a Blackhawks team that has a 14-36-3 record, 31 points. By far, one of the worst teams in the league. Heck, the San Jose Sharks have two more points than the Blackhawks do this year. And I'm not not joking. And that's kind of funny considering how bad the Sharks were to start this season. They still have more points than the Blackhawks. The fact that Peter Morazek has a 909 percentage above league average goes to show that he is doing his job in net, but he just has no one around him to help him out. 
And this Blackhawks team overall, they're still at least two, three years away, I think, from contending for a playoff spot. They still need to really gut this roster, I think. Bedard is there. That's great. Taylor Hall being out really stinks. I really like that move they made over the offseason. But you look up and down this roster right now in terms of their leading players. I mean, Philip Kurashev, outside of Connor Bedard, he's their leading point producer with 28 in 46 games. After that, Jason Dickinson, who I think has been fine, 16 goals this season. Nick Foligno has 11 goals. But after that, you know, Tyler Johnson has 10 goals in 38 games. Ryan Donato has been okay. They're just not getting enough scoring at all this season. They still need to gut this thing, I think, more than once before they fully get back to being a playoff team. It's great that they have their next superstar, but they still need to build quite a bit more around him before they want to start thinking about maybe making the playoffs at some point. But the Penguins, it, it really, man, as I said to open this segment, I just want to see a big-time response from this team and not get humbled by one of the worst teams in hockey. Yeah, and you figure for the Blackhawks at the deadline, teams are going to come calling for Tyler Johnson. They're going to come calling for Nick right. Foligno. They might come calling for Dickinson. They're probably not going to come calling for Kershev. That seems like a guy they're going to want to keep around. But this team is going to get gutted a second time come the trade deadline. So, like I said, 8.30 p.m. tonight on Sportsnet Pittsburgh at the United Center in Chicago. Penguins and the Blackhawks, a chance to respond after an absolutely embarrassing loss to the Florida Panthers, but that is going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Thank all of you. Thanks to all of you for hanging in there with us on this one. We know we went a little long, but it was definitely required after this team's performance on Wednesday night. For Hunter Hodes, I am Patrick Damp. Thank you always for listening, and we will be back tomorrow to recap the game and get you ready for Yager Night on Sunday.